Hey, what's up? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Business Life and Coffee podcast. I'm your host, Joey Price, and this week we're going to be talking about HR in outer space. Not exactly HR in outer space, but something definitely more interesting than HR in outer space, but it's HR in virtual reality. I'm joined with my guest, Matt Burns, and we're going to talk about some of the ways that you can leverage virtual reality to improve HR experience in your organization. And not only are we going to be talking about that, but we're going to be talking about the Global HR Summit. This is a brand new summit that's happening, sponsored by Microsoft and other partners, that is going to open up the floodgates on ways that you can use VR in HR. So if you're interested in ways that you can put on a headset and connect with others and build relationship, to build engagement and build productivity, you don't want to miss this episode. And while you're at it, go ahead and get your ticket for the Global HR Summit at globalhrsummit.com and you don't want to miss it. So let's jump into the show. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this segment of the Business Life and Coffee Show. We are here at Coffee Shop Q&A. And well, this week is no different. I'm joined by Matt Burns, founder of Bento HR. He's a podcast host called uh, Thinking Inside the Box. And he is a winner of HR Team of the Year 2018 and Most Innovative Use HR Tech 2017. Joining me from Vancouver, Canada. Hey, Matt, what's going on? Hey, Joey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We've been having a few conversations lately about HR and COVID, but what's been the biggest takeaway for you in light of COVID-19 and its impact on, on HR and business? That we have a long way to go. I think before all this, Joey, we've had conversations about the need for organizations to become more human centric, the need for HR to take a more of a leading role strategically going forward. Uh, and I think what we've seen is with COVID-19, we've seen it exacerbate and illuminate where there are significant systemic challenges and how we operate businesses. And a lot of organizations were not prepared for this scenario. Uh, and it's difficult, to be fair, to prepare for a global pandemic and the largest economic event of our times. And we need to be better going forward. So I think I've learned a lot about the work that lies ahead for us. And at the same time, I'm, I'm really optimistic. I, I'm hearing a different level of conversation around uh, this topic, and that gives me a lot of optimism going forward. But I think if I, again, to answer your question, it's just that delta between what we need to do and where we are today. Yeah. Rita Hoffman has said that entrepreneurship is like building a plane while you're in the air. And I feel like that's the feeling of COVID response, entrepreneur or otherwise, you know, even a long-standing blue chip organization, you're, you're building of having to respond to it in real time. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And at the same time, it's necessary. So we have to get better at it. And I appreciate that the majority of people, at least certainly in my demographic and those who've had more experience than me, this, this, the pace of change has rapidly increased and is continuing to increase. And as a consequence of that, we need to adjust the way we do things. So we can't rely upon the systems that got us to this point because they were built under a very different set of circumstances. And now things like agility and adaptability and context are just so much more important and I love what you said, Joey. I mean, from a, I think going into this, there were still too many managers who believe that they had this obligation to show up as perfect. 
that they had to know everything, that they had to have all the answers. And nobody has the answers of questions that we're asking right now. So if anything, it's reduced level of kind of that putting on that errors and increased level of vulnerability, which ultimately I think is the path, to, I mean, one of the paths to making things a bit more human centric. Yeah. And part of that as well is COVID is teaching that there are two, at least two types of people that lead in an organization. There are managers who thrive on running the play that's been given to them and making sure that they're keeping status quo. And then there are people who are like, okay, change is coming. We need to adapt. We need to embrace what's next. And I think as we pivot into the future, as you know, CEOs look to who to have on their lead teams, as um, employees look for what kind of people they want leading them, it's going to be more of the latter, I think. It's going to be the people that say, okay, we are riding the wave of change and we need to adapt to it. Agreed. And I just think that we have to change our mindset around the fact that, for example, once we built a program in an organization, whatever function you're in, we can't have the expectation anymore that program is going to live for three to five years in the organization without us looking at it again. Everything is much more iterative. Everything's much more agile. And as a consequence of that, we just have to set our expectations around what perfection looks like. And I think that's a good conversation to have. And if anything, it frees us up to be a bit more innovative and take more risks, which I think right now we need to take. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Jumpstart HR is changing the face of the HR industry with their outsourcing, project consulting, and phone support. Enabling startups and small businesses to outsource their HR needs from anywhere in the U.S., from new business and legal compliance to employee performance management and outplacement services. Within the business community, Jumpstart HR is a trusted and reliable service. In fact, companies like Forbes, HR.com, and Inc. Magazine have all featured Jumpstart HR for their easy-to-use, hourly, monthly, and on-call support that is tailored specifically to each client's needs. This saves clients like you a lot of time and money. To learn more, schedule your free HR evaluation today at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. Matt, if anyone is on uh, LinkedIn in the HR space, it's very likely that they've seen you, they've seen your lives, they've seen your content. What's your origin story? How did you become the Matt Burns of, of, the. of, <laughs> of global HR and of Bento HR? How did you how did you build it? Yeah, good. I mean, to be fair, first and foremost, I get nervous and, and uncomfortable talking about the Matt Burns. I I don't necessarily like. I'm not in this for myself and for my own reputation and brand. I'm a I'm an HR person. I'm a Canadian. Like I have humility. It runs deep into my veins. Yeah. And for me, it it really was as I saw it, uh, an opportunity to have bigger impact. I spent most of my career, Joey, in the corporate world working for large organizations. And I found myself in a position where I was largely architecting and executing large restructuring projects, other transformational projects. And that was a really wearing cycle, particularly when a lot of the activities were born out of financial necessity, not what maybe was in best interest to the employees. Mm -hmm. And when you're chasing a quarterly earnings statement and impacting people's lives, it just starts to feel uncomfortable and it started to kind of 
stress my my values and what I believed in terms of what I should be doing. And I asked myself, is this the way I want to spend the next 20 years of my life being somebody's hatchet man, being somebody's you know, the, the extension of an organization to do the unpleasant tasks? And that's not what I want to spend my time doing. I want to spend my time making more human-centric organizations. I want to spend my time empowering HR people so they can serve their clients. Um, I want to make the world a better place. So for me, stepping out of the four walls of a single organization, but bringing those skills into the market has allowed me to do that. And I can do that, Joey, on my terms. So that means I get to work with who I want to work with on the projects that I want to work on. And that is such a freeing and awesome experience because I can find people that we just instantly connect with and have you know great uh, chemistry and have great alignment around values. And as a consequence of that, we just get to completely transform their organizations going forward. And I think there's a misnomer out there. I think people believe you have to choose between making a lot of money and being good to your people. You don't. If you're just intentional about baking those things in together, you can really create a virtuous circle that serves a lot of different stakeholders. But we have to get that whole um, idea that if I, t- if I don't take it, somebody else will. And I just think we going forward have to be a bit more collaborative. And I'm trying to put forward an example of doing that. Um, I think, Joey, the problems that we have in organizations can be solved in part by human resources. But I think we need to look at the problem in two ways. The first way is in uh, economic context is demand, what organizations and their leaders want from HR. It needs to change. Too many organizations and their leaders still view HR as a compliance arm, administrative arm, and a cost center. So we need to change that. And part of the reason I put out so much content is if you didn't know my background, you probably wouldn't guess that I ever came from human resources. So I have a, uh, an ability to connect with CEOs and boards and CFOs and CIOs about business topics. And I in- intertwine HR into those conversations. And that gets me further in terms of moving the needle on uh, influence. Um, so let's just say we assume we can make that change. The second thing we have to do is, is work on the supply side of the equation, which is to work with the HR leaders out there and help upskill them, help them give them tools and resources so they can be more effective. So we've been working on both ends of that transaction, really trying to support people in the market. And at the same time, understanding the world has constantly been shifting and changing and ebbing and flowing, just trying to make sense of all of it along the way. And, and I'll be honest, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's yeah. been a, it's been a learning experience, um, being an entrepreneur for the first time. Joey, I mean, I didn't have some of the skills I needed. I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to market. I didn't know how to do some of these things. And I've really appreciated the opportunity to have another experiential learning journey. And, uh, you know, it's we're just beginning. Yeah. Well, it's been as you've gone through your journey, what was it that you've experienced and maybe you're fighting through it or you've overcome it? Um, I'm sorry, you cut out for the first bit, but I think you asked me about a challenge that I experienced early in my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest one for me was I, I came with a lot of success from the corporate world. So, um, you know, I, I had figured out that system and that game, Joey, pretty well. I'd worked in Fortune 500 companies most of my life. It's not perfect, but I knew how to be able to have success with large, complex, transformational, cross-functional projects. And if you can do that in the Fortune 500, you're going to have a very successful trajectory um, because it's challenging and moving stakeholders in bureaucracies is never easy, particularly when those activities have human implications like restructuring projects or really, frankly, any change management for that, for that matter. And so I brought that, that, that mindset into entrepreneurship, believing, okay, I can, I can translate the success and bring it over. Well, 
somewhat true. And I alluded to this earlier, I didn't have all the necessary skills to have success. So when it came to selling myself, wasn't great. In HR, I had a monopoly on the business. I didn't have to sell myself for anything. I often had more things to do than I had time. So business development wasn't part of my corporate HR role. So I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to not only connect with a client in a different way, but also convey my credentials and my expertise and the value that I bring. Because the moment I left the corporate world and became a consultant, I became just like everybody else as far as they're concerned. And you know this, like I had friends that the moment I made the switch, it was like they started to treat me differently because they felt like I'm like, you know, I'm a consultant now. I'm not not a corporate employee. And uh, I I had to learn about how to how to transition me into that entrepreneurial person and still feel true to myself. So I think that was the biggest challenge is figuring out who Matt was when he wasn't, you know, when he didn't have to subscribe to the perfect corporate employee, when I got to say what I wanted to say and do what I wanted to do and work on what I wanted to work on, I had a hard time with that choice because I've been told what to do for so many years. Yeah, no, that, that's entirely relatable. I mean, you go from a organized system and structure that you have to play within the confines of to now realizing that you are the fence builder for your organization, uh, well, for yourself first, and then your organization as it as it grows, and you get to call the shots on what you say and what you don't say, and I think that that's particularly liberating, especially in light of the times that we're in, where mm-hmm. you may have a particular stance. For example, here in the U.S., we're we're battling the systemic racism and with George mm-hmm. Floyd and and all of that, and Maybe in working at an organization, I may have had to temper my thoughts and activity. But as a business owner, I have a team of people that are that are counting on me to say something, and uh, I think that that's a pretty a pretty great place to be in. What do you What do you think? I agree, but I didn't know how much do I share, how much of yeah. myself do I give, and again, indoctrinated for so many years in that system, as you call it, you're told to keep information to a minimum. You don't share a lot about your personal life. Um, you certainly don't share any weaknesses because they're exposed and their people take advantage of them. Um, you don't share information that would be considered confidential. And everyone's definition of that is different. So in some cases, it would be don't say anything to anybody. In some cases, it would be don't share specific identifiers. It, it gets complicated. And I think HR people in particular are so wired for risk mitigation. They're so wired to try and avoid all risk so that they end up defaulting to saying nothing. And I think it's a real shame because I think as an HR professional, you have a privileged view of the organization. You can see things very broadly and you can understand the implications to the most precious resource in your organization, which is your other employees. And because of that, you bring a really interesting perspective, I think, in terms of opinions and values and understanding and observing what is or isn't working or where there may be tension or successes in the network. So I think that piece is hard for HR people to step out of this traditional, we must be seen but not heard. We must support other people, let them take the center stage. I think, Joey, right now, what we've seen a lot of, whether it is the social unrest in the United States or other parts of the world, whether there's issues around income inequality, whether it's around workplace culture and automation and the impact of that in technology and business, there's a real tension in culture, period. And part of that is involves human resources because we are the intersection of organizations and their people and organizations in most cases are going through a significant upheaval right now. So I think this is a time to step into uh, some space and to share your opinion and to ask for help and to be vulnerable. And I think you can do that, Joey, um, without preaching confidentiality. I was a 
CHRO talking about my organization three years ago on video on LinkedIn. And I was able not, not to mention names or titles or positions or locations and still convey what had happened and what we had done about it, which people found valuable. I think there's a way to be respectfully transparent and I also think that in an era where we need to quickly extract value and apply action to things, where we don't have time to do a PhD in organizational behavior right now to solve issues coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. it's really important that people like you and I that have experiences share them so people can illuminate, so people can glean what they need from those and then potentially apply them in their own practices. So I welcome anybody. Reach out to me if you have questions. I, I spent the first, Joey, like first six weeks of the pandemic, primarily just open office hours on the phone with CHROs, on the phone with CEOs, just how can I help you navigate these challenging times? I guess either, I guess in this case, fortunately, I've been part of several very complex, complicated projects that were very time sensitive and very, very, that had human uh, life implications in them. And as a consequence of that, can bring a real calmness and stoicism and pragmatism to chaos which at times was proving quite valuable, especially in those early days when we're asking ourselves, do we close down our offices? People are coughing. What happens? Mm. You know, we have, you know, the company doesn't want to take a stance on Black Lives Matter. What do we do there? Like, so right. having the ability to, to be more calm and measured and thoughtful when everything around you seems to be on fire is something that I think I've brought to the table. And I think HR needs to consider bringing to the table going forward you have an obligation to your people and you have an obligation to the organizations in which you work. And part of that means opening yourselves up to feedback, sharing yourself. It gives people a window that they just so desperately want inside of organizations. It's no longer acceptable to have a dissonance between what happens inside the four walls of an organization and what public facing image you put out there. Um, Now that's called uh, inauthenticity. (laughs) It could also be called lying. You know, part of your culture is your people. And yeah. I think for those who are struggling or maybe reluctant to kind of step up and share their opinions, I get it. Like I'm an introvert. I don't necessarily like the idea of subjecting myself to people's judgments, but over course of time, what you realize, and you know, this show you you're as active as I am, if not more, the vast majority of people are so supportive and so thoughtful and so kind and so collaborative. I've had a few examples, but they are like maybe three in the thousands of messages I've ever received. The HR community is pretty special. There's some really awesome people in this group. And if you just extend some kindness and some gratitude and some, and some offers of support, you will get 10 times back. Yeah, I would agree for every one critic. There is only or more than a hundred people who are cheering you on knowingly and unknowingly. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the people that will come up to me at a conference and say, I read this, I saw, I listened to your podcast and and all these other things and I've never interacted with them. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's one of the beauties of, of being a thought leader or influencer leader in the space is that you are uh, espousing values and beliefs that, will impact the world. You know, Matt, what you say on your platforms is going to inspire some CHRO to go and then change their organization. And then that happened 50 times over. You just never know. And that's the power of, of being an influencer, a thought leader. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, it's an opinion. So like, I have an opinion. I, I, here's what I always, you know, when I started this journey, Joey, I was really specific about doing one thing, which is to only talk about things I've actually done. And that sounds really simple and really obvious. And it's really rare on social media. (laughs) A lot of people are sharing stuff that other people have done or their thoughts on things other people have done. And I have time for that. And I also 
like prefer to hear people who've told they actually have the experiences and actually have, if you will, the wounds or the successes from those experiences, because to me, it's a richness of content that I'm looking for. And, you know, I, you know that's why I engage with people like yourself, Ben Eubanks, Christopher Lind, uh, you know, we, people that are adding significant value through their experiences. Uh, I think that is effective. And yeah. you can take a piece of what I have to say. You can ignore what I have to say. But if, if you've consumed the content that I'm putting out there and I've caused you to think, that's a win for me. I, I'm not, my approach is not for everybody and it's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm a hard driving results oriented, data focused, technology focused HR person. And I work really well with transformation. I'm not as great at being a steward. I'm not as great as maintaining something over a longer period of time. I need to see things moving and changing for me to get excited and worked up about that. I'm also not interested in solving very simple problems that are political. I like complex problems that are apolitical. So I look for opportunities that I think it's important to understand where you add value and it's important to understand uh, what you do best, especially now where a lot of people need help. It's putting your hand up and saying, I can do this really, really well. And if you need some help, reach out. Yeah. And I think we can see more of that going forward, especially as people are trying to source, you know, crowdsource their solutions to their problems. Yeah. And one of the, the things you said a few minutes ago, it stuck with me in the conversation is, is about how HR is the intersection of humanity, culture, workplace. And mm. I don't think that we make that connection enough. But what you're doing with a new venture that you have going on, the, the Global HR Summit, is you're actually bringing that to light and you're actually not just talking the talk, but you're, you're being the bridge between the people who can uh, spark those thoughts could you, could you tell us about what you're doing with the Global HR Summit? Yeah, I'm super excited. If you'd asked me six months ago, would I be throwing an event in virtual reality for HR professionals? No. Wait, oh, wait, 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 Matt. <laughs> wait. I, don't want, I don't want that part of it to go uh, overlooked. You're doing the first ever HR conference in virtual reality. Yes, sir. That is, that's powerful. Um, do, you want, do you want to come and join me? Of course. Of course. I'm there, man. I'm there. Do I need to pick out an avatar? Can I show up in avatar flip flops? What's up? (laughs) I'll I'll have you know that last night I was on the platform. So uh, July 28th, 29th, we're doing a two day event, Global HR Summit, globalhrsummit.com for the latest. Um, Joey, I am super excited about building this bridge between immersive technology and HR. I've had a thousand conversations in the last three months about people's and their frustrations about zoom. And I think we all would agree that on the trajectory of, you know, being in person and spending time with, with your teams in a zoom or a phone call, we all prefer to be in person, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think in the short term, I don't think organizations are going to come back together with large groups anytime in the near future because of safety concerns and pandemic concerns. I agree. I also think a lot of organizations have woken up now to the reality of maybe how maybe the, an untapped potential around remote work, and around the idea of having this ability to flex in inside the office, outside the office, and oscillate back and forth between digital and physical. And I think as a consequence of that, they're going to have to think through, and HR professionals are going to have to think through, how do they develop strong cultures with individuals who are operating in multiple work sites? And yes, you can do that through conference calls and through Slack and through you know team you know Zoom calls, and it's not the same as being in person. So to me, there's a huge opportunity to introduce immersive technologies as a bridge between that 
and being in person. So for applications like performance management, hiring, training, team meetings, town halls, open doors, investigations, things where you want to be intimate in terms of being in an environment with people where it's confidential, where it's immersive. When people have their VR headset on, Joey, they have, they have their full attention. Whereas more often than not, when you're on a Zoom call, I'm fighting with this. Yep. So, or they have another screen open behind this and they're actually doing their emails. So this is a situation where people will be able to have, and will be able to reinforce the importance of human connection. And I see this as a necessary step because unfortunately I'm disappointed with where we are at. I, I mentioned this earlier, COVID-19 exposed a lot of systemic gaps. Education is one of them, unfortunately. I don't know about you or our listeners, but I'm guessing none of them learn best by us showing PowerPoint slides and lecturing at them for an hour. Memorization and recitation is not education and we can do better and we should do better. And immersive technologies in particular open up a significant value of democratizing access to knowledge. And it's how human beings learn. So you can have an enjoyable, engaging experience and then also learn something. And that to me is a, is a huge opportunity as an HR professional. I love seeing people grow and learn and develop and be better versions of themselves. So if we can do that at scale and democratize access to that technology where it doesn't have to happen inside of the classroom at Stanford or NYU or, you know, uh, LBS, like you can actually give somebody a $30 Google Glass and access to something super immersive and cool and they can learn and grow. To me, it's the next iteration of the Khan Academy. It's an opportunity for us to bring knowledge to the market. And the reason it's important that we do it from an NHR perspective is because we have an opportunity to blaze the path forward. Joey, I think if I asked you a, a list of your top three least favorite buzz you know, lines in HR, I'm guessing one of them would be seat at the table. I do not like that. <laughs> it is it is just, I, every time I hear it, I've heard it for 20 years. Yep. Build the table. Invite people to the table. The Global HR Summit is the table. And yes, we're mostly marking this to HR professionals because we want them to be the trailblazers of the intersection and the symbiosis of technology and people going forward. But everyone's welcome. I want CEOs in there and CFOs and CMOs and CIOs in the room because this problem that we have to address in organizations is a cross-functional problem. Should HR be driving the force behind it? I think so, because I think when it involves people and culture, you need that broad view and we need support from our cross-functional partners. But to get that support, we have to have something for them to support and something for them to support is a vision forward. So we're going to have keynote addresses from Tom Furness, who is the godfather of immersive technologies. We're going to have representatives from the largest organizations delivering keynotes, Microsoft, LinkedIn, several other organizations. We're going to have panels with some incredible panelists and panel chairs on topics that are really important. I can't see how you can have a conference at this stage of time and not talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're going to do that in VR. We're going to talk about working parents and the challenges of balancing and juggling your personal life, your work life, your social life. You're all stuck inside these houses right now, quarantined in some cases. How do you manage that? We're going to talk about that issue. We're going to talk about some of the sacred cows. Joey, some of the things that HR people have been reluctant to, to look at and maybe look in the mirror at some things and just call those things out. And then we're going to fill the rest of the agenda with education, inspiration, workshops and opportunities to connect. So as we paint the picture of what's possible going forward, we want to show individuals 
other organizations are actually deploying this technology. Deutsche Bahn, the railway in Germany, has been using this technology for hiring for years. Hilton has been training their employees in this technology for years. KFC is teaching their employees how to fry chicken in their things with immersive technology. The opportunities are significant going forward, and we want to bring that to the market. And I'd love for you to join us. Yeah. What strikes me, in addition with everything that you said, is... The fact that if you attend this summit, you are forced to step out of your comfort zone. And that's what attracts me the most, because sometimes you only have to sample something or or experience something very briefly to begin to imagine what the implications can be for your personal life and for your business. And so for the person who's never put on a VR headset before, you know, just give it a shot. You know, attend a, a 30 minute that finally gets you go take your your son or daughter's you know headset and try it for a while and see why they enjoy it and then now you can begin to imagine and say oh wow we're not getting together at our office anytime soon but maybe you know a board meeting could be done over VR or maybe a staff meeting or a training or whatever all of the different applications that you've mentioned previously but i i just love the fact that this is going to force people to get out of their comfort zone and see what life could look like in in the new reality of a virtual reality it's better i i don't i don't want to oversell it, it it's better it, yeah. it is it's a better experience than a zoom call it's a better experience than a phone call you get to work in multiple senses and the technology has come a long way in a short period of time i am very bullish on the technology because i see its potential so much so that we are actually integrating it within our own business so after this event we will be doing all of our sales in virtual reality going forward. One of the challenges we have had in the past is that we're digital transformation consultancy, which means that we work in complex projects that are very, very nuanced and often require the buy-in of multiple stakeholders. And that has proved challenging in the past with just the environment and everyone's schedules and travel and all those types of things. Going forward, we're going to move the process into virtual reality. That's going to allow us to have a more, again, intimate and immersive experience with our prospective clients. It's gonna allow them to ask very good and pointed questions of us. And it's going to not require us to hop on planes, trains, and automobiles and have a large environmental footprint. Um, We can do and replicate an experience with our clients in that space. And actually, in some cases, differentiate it because we're going to make it easy for them too. They can take this meeting from their house. They can have their home office set aside and have this 45-minute meeting with us and feel like they're in the room. Uh, We can take them through different interactivity, whether it's bringing in 3D assets, whether it's activities themselves. We can take them through a curious journey in a virtual world to make the process of understanding what we do or the process of of brainstorming become more productive. One movie I, Joey, is Inception. They're Mm, building worlds. And I feel sometimes like I need to get one of those charms and spin it because we're building worlds right now. I mean, I spent last night on VR for a couple of hours and we're actually building some of the actual environments for the event on the 28th, 29th. And whether it's People like you and I hosting a podcast from the virtual reality event. We're going to have live podcasts. I would love to see this podcast live activation in virtual reality. Like we're going to have that and we'll book it and people will be able to come and check it out as an audience member and put on VR and be like in the front row at a talk show. Like it's going to have that. We're going to have networking opportunities where we're going to be doing fun games and cool activities where you're going to get a chance to meet people that you probably wouldn't have otherwise met. And we're trying to make it as accessible as possible. I understand that the majority of people haven't probably experienced this technology, and that's okay. 
But like you said, give it a shot, try it out. I think you'll appreciate and see its application in some parts of our business. And to me, it's it's moving us incrementally closer to, again, that humorous, human-centric workplace. We no longer have to view technology in conflict with it. It's a complement to it. And I get excited about bringing HR people into the room and showing them these, these features because I know they're going to be super creative and ambitious and so empathetic about looking for the connections with the technology and their people. And I would encourage folks, if they want to reach out, ask questions, please feel free to send me a note. I'm on LinkedIn all the time, but it will, all the information will be at globalhrsummit.com. We're announcing speakers and panelists every single day. Uh, it's an impressive group, Joey. I mean, I think you can appreciate people want to be part of this. Uh, there's a lot of folks who see this as an opportunity to change the conversation. It's a strange time right now. We're looking for something to, to attach our hope to. There is a better reality in front of us if we want to seize it. And we're just hopefully laying the path that others can forge past us to really take things to the next level. And again, realize that more human-centric culture. Yeah. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, just hearing your story a little bit more and uh, always enjoyed talking shop with a fellow HR pro who sees the world from that 35,000 foot view and can connect dots in various areas. And I'm looking forward to your, your summit. Remind people how they can get in contact with you, uh, register for the summit, and what what days they should mark on their calendar so that they don't miss it. Sure. Yeah, you can find me, Matt Burns HR. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Check me out there. Uh, my company address is bentohr.com. We simplify digital transformation. The event will be the Global HR Summit. So globalhrsummit.com. All the information, all the speakers, all the agenda. It occurs the 28th and 29th of July. We'll be offering the full event in virtual reality and 2D. So if you don't have a headset or you don't want to consume all the content in 3D, you can oscillate back and forth. And Joey, good news as well. We're recording the whole thing. Matt. Thank you for being on the show and people will connect with you online. Cheers.